through 5, as you can hear, have already dismissed themselves. If anyone's not back there, head back there soon. Most of the snacks will be gone soon. Welcome to Revelation Rock. Welcome to our family room, where this morning we do desire to honor the mothers in our lives. That's not the whole service, but as a country, we've taken today and we've set it aside to honor the role, the office, the person of a mother. And uh, we just take this, let's take a minute and give a round of applause to all the mothers in our lives. We are truly blessed here in not just in the biological mothers, but there's a whole bunch of mother figures in this room. As I scan the crowd from side to side, I see a bunch of you that have spoken into my life and that are serving in that role for many of the people around here. It is my privilege and honor this morning. As you see, I have no wireless mic on my head and I have no notes and it's not because I lost them today. It's my privilege and great honor to introduce to you Grant Fraley, a good friend of mine. Uh, He's one of the pastors at Grace Point. You might be familiar if you've been here for any length of time with Jeremiah Johnson. This is one of the other pastors down there. I've got to become uh, good friends with Grant over the last couple of years and him and his wife Keisha have joined us. This morning, he's going to bring the word, and then I think they might ditch pretty quick right after. They got a long, 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 long drive home. So they're going to roll out pretty directly, but I just, it's my prayer that you guys have, will be listening this morning. I believe that Grant has a specific word for many of us, if not all of us, this morning. So if you would, you can welcome Grant Fraley this morning. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. Amen. What an honor to be here with you this morning. Man, are you kidding? That worship was awesome. Amen. Wow. That, that makes things so much easier. So for any of you who, who know my pastor, Jeremiah, uh, we, we pastor a church in Georgetown, Kentucky. Now, I just say this everywhere I go because people who know Jeremiah... Um, Jeremiah, yes, he's from Kentucky, but I'm really from Kentucky. You hear the accent? I'm really from Kentucky, okay? Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm from Appalachia, okay? Like last night, Isaac said Ap- Appalachia, and it hurt me inside. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's Appalachia, you know? So, um, amen, but we, uh, we honor this house this morning. Amen, we, we honor... Isaac and Melinda, and just uh, we just honor you and just want you to know that and uh, just what an honor it is to be here. Um, for, like I said, for those of you who don't know me, I'm associate pastor at Grace Point Church uh, in Georgetown, Kentucky. Um, went out to Karis Bible College out in Colorado, Andrew Womack's ministry. Um, Andrew Womack's ministry association is Army, A-R-M-I. Um, I'm a... Uh, uh, area advocate, so I pastor the pastors in Indiana uh, that are connected to Andrew's ministry, and uh, so that's a little bit of just about me. I'm not really comfortable giving you that stuff because I don't think that matters, right? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, what does that matter? Uh, ultimately, I'm just, I'm just a boy from, from the mountains of Kentucky, uh, just a country boy, right? So I'm going to say some words this morning you've probably never heard in your life, uh, you don't have to go look them up. I made them up, more than likely. Uh, then there's some things that probably you're just, I'm just pronouncing wrong. And, and so uh, that's just the way I roll. But 
Here's what God's going to do this morning. God's going to love on you. God's going to love on people this morning. And uh, that's truly what I feel in my heart. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. And I also want to say out of the, all the churches that I've ministered at, you guys have the coolest name of any church, Revelation Rock Church. My, and I like how you call it the rock. Like, I, I want to go to Jeremiah. I'm going to call him and say, like, can we call Grace Point the point? Like, that's just so cool. Like, gosh almighty. Uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 3. This is uh, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Now, notice it says, the Lord has appeared of old, or the Lord of old. Now, don't mistake this. this just because he's of old, that doesn't mean he's old. All right? God's been around as you know, we, we can't even put it into time, but he's not old. God's as youthful as you can get. And that's why when you spend some time around God, your youth begins to be restored. Right? So he's not old. He's of old. Right? God doesn't age like we age. He's of old, but he's not old. But this is what I found exciting about of old. He says, so it's the Lord of old. So this is Jeremiah speaking, the prophet Jeremiah. And think about the God who is speaking to him. It's the same God who created Adam and Eve in the garden. It's the same God who spoke to Noah and said, I need you to build an ark. It's the same God who told Abraham to get away from his kindred. It's the same God who called Isaac, who called Jacob, who called Joseph. It's the same God who spoke to Moses in a burning bush. It's the same God who led the children of Israel out of Egypt. It's the same God who called David and sat him on a throne when he was a shepherd. It's the same God who asked, who asked Solomon, what do you want? Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. That same God. The Lord has appeared of old to me. This is why I find that fascinating. That God, the one who called David, the one who spoke to Abraham, the one who spoke to Solomon, the one who spoke to Moses, that God appears to Jeremiah and says to you, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Do you realize that this morning? I think so many times we tend to read the Scriptures and we, we disconnect ourselves from them. The same God who appeared to Moses in a burning bush is the same God who loves you. The same God who called Abraham is the same God who loves you. So that's powerful this morning. And, and what I want to bring out... He says, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. So don't just read this as the words to Jeremiah. Read this as his words to you. Because the Bible is a love letter to you. And it will not profit you until you look at it that way. 
Now, I love to teach doctrine. That, that's, that's my primary thing. I love to teach doctrine. I love to teach, you know, counter some things and, and tear some things down so I can build some things up. But ultimately, if that's your only approach to this book, it becomes dry. It becomes something you argue about. You know, I, I was sharing with Isaac and Melinda last night that, you know, I go places and I preach on faith righteousness, and they'll come up to me after, and I'm like, oh, you mean once saved, always saved. You know why people use the term once saved, always saved? Because that sounds a lot better than them saying, I actually believe it's about me, not Jesus. So we like to use theological terms to dumb down or, or to, to hide our unbelief. Like, no, I just think it's about Jesus, right? So, but we, if, if, if our only view of Scripture is doctrinal and things of that nature, this book will become dry to us. But when you see it as a God, as a letter from God who loves you, this book will come alive to you. Jeremiah 31.3, again, he says, he says here, he says the, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, when we think about everlasting, we tend to think about uh, everlasting life. We think about, all right, I'm here, and that life that I'm offered is never going to end. So we think of everlasting to mean no end. But in the original languages, in the Hebrew and Greek, everlasting actually means that which steps outside of time. That which knows no beginning and that which knows no end. Right? So here's why this is important. Important. This is what God is saying to Jeremiah and therefore to you this morning. There is not a point in your life that you can look back to and say, that right there is the moment that God started to love me. And there will never be a moment in your future where you can say, that right there is where God will stop loving me. And if we're honest, we usually don't have that view. Our view usually is, if I do this or if I do that, God will stop loving me. But usually we don't, we don't look at it that way, right? We know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. So, well, oh, of course God always loves me, but he might get me, right? If I do this, he might get me. He, he might get angry with me. But everlasting, here's why I'm saying this this morning. There's... There's never been a moment in your life, and there will never be a moment in your life where God doesn't love you unconditionally, without any expectations, without any obligations. God loves you. He doesn't give you a checklist and say, if you do this, this, and that, then I'll love you. No, God loves you. Can you believe? But here's the problem. We struggle to truly grasp a concept of everlasting, unconditional love because we love everything. Like this morning, I love this hotel. We love everything. Facebook, we see, you know, our favorite sports team won. We love the post. We love everything. I love this coffee. I love my dog. I love my cat. I love my house. I love my... We love everything. Let me give you a practical tip. I don't love anything but people. Love is reserved for people. 
Because I don't see in the Scripture where God loved the temple. I don't see in the Scripture where, 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 where God loved the stuff. But He loves people. So even on, even on Facebook, like posts and things like that, I don't love anything unless it's with my family. People say, well, that's rude. You know, what about my family? Well, you love your family, and I love you too. But on Facebook, that's reserved for my family. Right? Guard how we view love. And then we struggle to grasp this concept of love because we feel like we're always, we come into this world, feel like we're competing for love. We feel like we're, vi- we're, we're, we're trying to fight for someone's attention. Uh, you know, when you're in school, you're coming up dating, you're, you're doing your best to get so-and-so to love you. We feel like we're always trying to gain someone's love. Even a, 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 a child-parent relationship, we, we, even though our parents love us unconditionally, it's just like we're, we're just made to try to earn their love. And part of that is the reason we, people have father wounds, mother wounds, it's because they always lacked that unconditional love. right? So, so we struggle to grasp this concept of an unconditional love everlasting, knows no boundaries, knows no conditions, love. But that's what God has for you this morning. Like, that's amazing to me. Go with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 35, and let's, let's read the, some of the most familiar verses in, in, in the Old Testament, or New Testament. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 It says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If you're being conquered this morning, if you feel something is overcoming you, if you feel you're beneath something this morning, it's because you don't know this. Because what makes us more than conquerors is knowing this truth. The unconditional, without boundaries, everlasting, knows no beginning, will never know an end, love of God. For I am persuaded. This is our problem. Most of us aren't persuaded. We can quote it. We can tell you about it. We can tell the unbeliever about it. We can, hear the, we, we can tell the preacher that, yeah, we believe that. But in our heart of hearts, we're not persuaded. Is there ever that moment when you do something, you're like, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. That, that's the thing right there. That's, that's probably done it for me. You're not persuaded. You're not persuaded. That neither death... Now, here's something interesting. I always quoted this verse when I would quote it, for I am persuaded that neither life nor death. But that's not what it says, and I think that's intentional. He says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life. Why death first? Because death is the ultimate fear of every human being. If you have any fear in your life, you don't fear that thing, you fear death. 
right? If, if, even if it's uh, concerning someone else, it's a fear of death, right? If you fear your spouse, you know, divorce, you fear, fear your spouse leaving you, your ultimate fear is you're going to die alone. We fear death. But here's something that speaks to me through this. What's death like? People ask me, what do you think death's going to be like? I don't know, but you know what I do know? I'm going to feel love like I've never felt love before. If you've ever been with someone when they, when they die, that moment to us feels so empty. It feels like we're being, se- you know, it's a separation. But for that person... They're not being separated. The only thing they're being separated from is us. But the one thing they're not being separated from is the love of God. If you look up near-death experiences, something I find interesting, I, I, I like reading on these things, is every... Near, there, there's, you know, now, there's some disagreements. People say, well, you know, I've seen a purple dinosaur. And, you know, and you're like, no, dude, you was on an acid trip. You, know, you didn't actually go to heaven. But every one of there's certain things they all mention. Light. They talk about light. They talk about the beautiful colors. And one thing they always mention that's similar across the board is, I felt a love like I've never felt before. This is why Paul could say, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. This is why Christ could say, you know what? I'm having a hard time. I don't know if I want to die or if I want to live. Why? He knew this, that even in death, there's going to be love. Death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. Look here. Nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing, nothing, nothing that is going on in your life right now has separated you or can separate you from the love of Jesus. And I know people hear this this morning like, yeah, I know this. Listen, I, I know God so loved the world. that. Do you really know this? You ready for me to just put it the way? It, listen, I'm just going to be bold this morning. You struggling with anything in your body? Then you're not fully persuaded of this. Are you struggling with anything in your mind? Then you're not fully persuaded of this. That's no condemnation. I can raise my... If I asked us to raise our hands, my hand would go up and your hand would go up. We've always... We can always go a little deeper into the love of Jesus. And we tend to be bored with this because we look at it like, well, I already know this. It is the most simple, yet the most complex truth in all of Scripture, the love of God. Like, I'm always amazed how God will just open things up to me about it I've never seen. All right, but look, he says, nor things to come. There's nothing that you can do. Worst case scenario. This is what I have. They were laughing at me last night at dinner. Uh, you know, people always come up to me when you preach faith righteousness and they're like, so you're just saying I can just do whatever I want to. And it's, it's never, you're just saying I can tell my husband to lie and still be saved. That's never it. It's worst case scenario. So you're telling me 
that I can move to Africa, leave my wife and kids, snort cocaine, buy a Ouija board, all right, worship the devil, eat, eat all the bacon and, and the pork and everything I want to, and still be safe. And my answer, I, I finally found the way to answer that. I used to just be like, you know, well, sure. But now I'm like, do you want to do that? Like, are you looking for permission for me to tell you, yes, go buy you a Ouija board and move to Africa? Like, do you want to do that? What do you think the answer I've always got is? No. No. So there's worst case scenario. Worst thing you could do, it still won't separate you from the love of Jesus. Go to Africa, buy a Ouija board, snort the, snort the cocaine, worship the dead. Still won't separate you from the love of Jesus. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I want, to know, I want you to notice something interesting. Isn't it fascinating here? He says, nor things present, nor things to come. Why didn't he say nor things in the past? Your past should matter so little to you that you don't even mention it. Like, Paul didn't even say, listen, there's something in your past. Like, he's like, no, listen, all you got's the present, and you've got vision for the future. The past doesn't matter. I just found that interesting. I just found that fascinating. Go with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love your enemies. This is Jesus speaking. Love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. But here's why we're here. For He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Now, the word unthankful in the Greek, it means ungrateful, ungracious, unpleasing. Ungrateful, ungracious, unpleasing. Those who don't say thank you. Those who don't appreciate what you do for them. Those who, ungracious, those who are just rude, right? The people who get us in a bad mood real quick, right? The Bible says, Jesus speaking here, he says, listen, the Father is kind to those people. See, and this is why I'm here. We just think of love as it's something God does, but it can be hands off. Love is never hands off. Never. Love always propels you to do something. Love will always propel you to do something. So God doesn't just love the unthankful and the evil. He's kind to them. He does good for them. Now something really interesting is, is this word kind is, again, remember, I'm from Appalachia. It's Christos in the Greek. That could be wrong. But now the word unthankful and evil, I can't remember which one it is. I think it's evil, is akristos in the Greek. In other words, God is one thing and these people are the complete opposite. But God is still kind to those people. 
The word evil, listen to this. The word evil means in the Greek hateful, vicious, malicious, guilty, bad, harmful, lewd, malicious, wicked. The worst of the worst. That person, listen, listen. That person you can't stand to be around, God longs to be in their presence. That person that comes in the room and you feel your blood pressure go up, they put God at peace. See, we all have villains in our story. And that's what makes it hard for us also to believe in this unconditional, without boundaries, love of God. Because some of us, we're real good at, yeah, God loves me no matter what, but now you? I know what you did to me. But those people God loves. Here's what I was going to say. Every one of us have a villain in our story. Every single person, there's one person, especially, probably more, who is the villain of your story. You know what will help you see the love of God for them? When you realize every single individual in here, there is someone somewhere who if you ask them the villain of their story, it's you. Every one of us. Maybe, maybe you've lived a real good life and it's that girl you dated in the fourth grade and she still says that you broke her heart. But guess what? You're the villain, right? You're the villain in someone's story. But God loves villains. God doesn't just love the good guys. God loves villains. And he's not, he doesn't just love them, he's kind to them. Verse 36 says, Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. In the Greek, that word merciful means compassionate. So there's no... And compassion, what is compassion? Here's what compassion is. Compassion is love in action. Compassion is love in action. Now... So I'm saying there's no one that's not included in this, this, this love without boundaries that God has. There's, there's no one that's not included in this kindness that Jesus gives to us and offers to us. See, here's the thing, guys. There's two views of sin. I was just explaining this to my wife last night. Listen, there's two views of sin. They're both correct. But we major on the first one. One view of sin is sin is a crime that needs to be punished. Listen, outside this church, in this church, every one of us, we got that, we believe that. Uh, this is why when somebody does wrong, we sit there and we think, I hope they get what's coming to them. Because we know sin is a crime that has to be punished. Now the second way to view sin is sin is also a sickness that needs to be healed. Sin is a sickness that needs to be healed. Here's why this is important. When you realize that the crime has been punished, I really hope that bird don't poop on me. <laughs> I wore a black shirt. When you realize that sin as a crime has been punished, 
then it frees you to realize that any sin you see in someone's life, including your own, is a sickness that needs to be healed. There is a wound that, that is behind, that is the foundation of everything every person does. And when you realize, listen, that drug dealer that makes you angry, that you can't stand, when you realize that, listen, dad was never around, mother never gave them any attention, they were touched in, 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 in inappropriate ways by an uncle. All of a sudden you realize, listen, Jesus paid for that sin, but there's still a sickness that needs to be healed. See, when you get a hold of the love of God, here's one way, another way you know whether or not you truly grasp this message. When you can see the worst of the worst and you don't think punishment, you don't think the need to get them, you think... They need healing. See, it will, you know what COVID taught me? I've talked to Isaac about this. You know what COVID taught me? Is in the church, the one thing we lack isn't faith. It's not love. It's not good works. It's not the gifts of the Spirit. It's not fire. It's not all these things. The one thing the church lacks is empathy. What's empathy? Empathy is the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand why they walk the way they walk, where they walk, where they walk. And you don't judge them for it because you understand why they wear those shoes. That is empathy. And the Amplified Classic actually puts here in verse 36 that that and therefore be merciful, it mentions compassion and it mentions empathy. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 9 and verse 3. And um, Romans chapter 9, verse 3. So, for those of you who do know your Bible, you do know your scriptures, what about here? Um, Verse 13, you don't have to go here on the screen, but verse 13 ends up saying, For Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What about that? Because doesn't that verse say that there's people that God loves and there's people that God hates? Not at all. Not at all. Romans chapter 9, verse 3. It says, For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, speaking of Israel, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, listen here, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Nor are all they children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac shall your seed be called. That, in th that is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. So notice, he's, he's talking in context about people who have been chosen to be 
the line through which Jesus would come. And then there's also children of Abraham who were not chosen to be the line through which, Ab- through G- which Jesus would come. Verse 9. As For this is the word of promise at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by her father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil. Look here. That the purpose of God according to uh, election might stand. Not of works, but of him who calls. So one, notice he says not a work. So that means right there that tells you there's nothing Esau did. If, even if God re- literally meant, I hate Esau, it plainly says right there, there's nothing he did that made me do that. But this is referring to the calling and the purposes of God. Specifically, who would be the one chosen through which the seed uh, of Abraham would come, which was Jesus. Two boys, Jacob, Esau. The goal is to get the one man, Jesus. Jacob, Esau. Has to be one or the other. Can't be both. And here's what God says. You know what? Jacob is better for this than Esau. Yeah, but it says Esau of hated. The two greatest, uh, the two greatest Greek scholars that I know, that I believe in, are W.E. Vine and William Danker. And both of those say that hated here is actually referring to a choice of preference for a purpose. So here's what this is saying. God looked at the two boys, Jacob and Esau, and he said, Jacob will be better for this than Esau. So we would read this as it is written, Jacob I have preferred for this purpose. Let me give you an example of that. Go with me to Genesis chapter 25, verse 28. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. In other words, the dad loved Esau, the mom loved Jacob. Now let me ask you something. Do you think Isaac did not love Esau? Or do you think Rebekah didn't love Esau? Because it says here, Isaac loved Esau, Rebekah loved Jacob. Do you think that means Isaac didn't love Jacob? Do you think that that means that Rebekah didn't love Esau? Every parent in here will tell you, you love your children equally. So what's this referring to? It's referring, it tells you right here, Isaac loved Esau because Esau could cook. Like right now, listen, listen. My oldest loves to play video games. My youngest, like, he likes to ask me, what's that? 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 Right now, I prefer my oldest. (laughs) All right? So, it's not that God didn't love someone and hated someone else. Here's what, God loves you so much And he knows you so well. He knows what path is best for you. He knew Jacob would be better to be the one through whom the seed would come. He knew Jacob would be better at keeping the covenant, keeping the commandments. 
And he knew Esau would be better at doing something else. That is no different than in every church there's a pastor. That pastor is no more special than the person who, who you know, comes every week faithfully. But God just looked at, listen, and the person who comes faithfully, there may be times you look and you think, now I wish I was doing what he's doing. Listen, no you don't. No you don't. If you were, God would cause you to do it. He knows you would be miserable doing that. Listen, there's places that I go and I preach, and I'm like, I want to get out of here as quick as I can because I, am not, I do not prefer this place. Right? If you'll go where God puts you and quit comparing yourselves among yourselves, you'll be much happier. You can't go, I, I highly suggest you go read the story of Esau. God blessed Esau. And Esau messed up over and over and over and over. But God blessed Esau. So no, this isn't saying that God actually hated Esau. But this wasn't Esau's purpose. God knew him. So God said, like even with my own children, Graham's my oldest, Finley's my youngest. There's things like we know Graham would love, Finley would hate. Finley would love, Graham would hate. Right? It's just preference. It's just, that's a good parent. So let's go on here. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you guys? Nope. Okay, got it. It's all right. Romans chapter 5, verse, verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Um, we're, we're, we're about to land the plane. That means you got about one hour before I'm done. That's what my wife's thinking back there. This morning we, we had some travel plans and we was like, all right, well, we got to get home sooner. And I said, do you think we can make that time? And she said, well, it depends on how long you preach. And I said, uh, I said, oh, I'm not going to preach long. And I heard her under her breath say, mm-hmm. And I, told, I asked Isaac the other day, I said, how long do I have to preach? And uh, he basically said, well, I've never heard you preach less than an hour and 30 minutes. So uh, don't worry, it won't be that long. He didn't actually say that, but that's the vibe I got from him. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, ha- so here's what we're going to get here, guys. It, this is all... If you hear me teach much, here's what you'll learn. I lay a really good foundation and the house goes up quick. The foundation is laid. All right, let's put the house up. What are you talking about, the love of God? Yeah, I know God loves me. I know he's kind. But what do you want me to do with that? Let's let's do this really quick. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now this is a very powerful voice right here, or verse, excuse me. Now hope, does not disappoint. Now, I've been very influenced by circles um, of faith, and they really look down on the subject of hope because they, they think of hope the way we think of hope. Like, you know, I hope that works out for you. Yeah, I hope so, right? 
But that's not biblical hope. Biblical hope, in, in, in the Greek, it means a confident expectation of good. Um, another, another minister I know of describes it as a positive imagination. Hope is when you think of your future and you're confidently expecting good to come. Hope is when you look at your future and you don't see trouble, you don't see death, you don't see disease, you don't see anxiety, you don't see calamity, you don't see you know, all these troubles. You see blessing. You see increase. You see peace. You see joy. You see love. You see abundance. You see the desires of your heart that are good coming to pass. You see Psalm 37, 5, which says, Trust in the Lord, and He shall bring it to pass. That's hope. Hope is when you look into the future, and you're like, man, that's going to be good. This is one of the greatest needs that believers have today. Hope. We think we struggle with faith. You don't struggle with faith. You struggle with hope. Hope is the precursor to faith. Faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. So what's that tell me? If you don't have any hope, there's nothing for your faith to give substance to. So if you're not confidently expecting good, if you're not looking to your future with anticipation, then guess what? Faith will never come. Why? You've, it's like hope is the building materials. And faith puts it together. But if you don't have the building materials, you can't build the house. Hope is the building materials. And faith will put that thing together. So how do we get hope? Now, also, I want to say this. Now, hope does not disappoint. How, how opposite is that to what we say? How many other times have you said, I don't want to get my hopes up? That's why you struggle with faith. Because the first thing you have to do is get your hopes up. If you don't get your hopes up, if you don't get your hopes up about healing, you'll never be healed. If you don't get your hopes up about living uh, without anxiety and depression, you'll never live without anxiety and depression. If you don't get your hopes up about that, that, that wayward child coming home, that wayward child won't come, up, come home. You have to. To get your hopes up. And Paul says here, only one thing can get your hopes up. When the love of God is poured into our hearts. So what's happening this morning is, the Holy Spirit is working through me to pour some love into your heart. The Holy Spirit's using me this morning to get your hopes up. Because... Listen, so here, here's the thing. How do I know that I know God loves me? And I, I've gave you two or three ways. This is the biggest way, though. When you think about your future, what do you expect? We learned that in the church. We learned that in the world over the last two years because COVID suddenly made people where when they looked at their future, they seemed doomed, they seemed gloom. 
But when the love of God is poured into your heart, there's no doom and gloom for your future. If you're in here this morning, you're struggling with something in your body, when you see your future, do you see yourself healed? If the answer is yes, you've got hope. If the answer is no, you need to get your hopes up. Um, I want to share a story. Let me, let, me sh- let me read this. Jeremiah 31.3, remember that? You don't have to, uh, out of the message translation, um, listen to what it says. It says, God told them, I've never quit loving you and never will. Listen to this. Expect love, love, and more love. That's what I'm here to do this morning is to get you to this place where you're expecting love, love, and more love. You may wake up tomorrow and not know how the day's going to go, but you should have one thought when you wake up. You know what's going to happen today? I'm going to be loved. You know, what's going to, you know what I know is certain today? Jesus loves me. Love Love and more love. But love is not just a nice word that I love you. Right? I love my cat. Love my dog. You know, love everything. No. Love always does something. How many of you have said or heard the saying, faith moves God? Faith does not move God. You can, you can sit there and try to use your faith to move God. What you'll find out is you just end up more frustrated. Faith never moves God. How do I know that? Look at So people will throw at me, well, what about in the Gospels? Jesus would say, your faith has, has made you whole. Yeah, but Jesus never said your faith is why I healed you. Love moved Jesus. And that's why he would say over and over, and he had compassion on the sick and healed them. Their faith put them in the place to let him love on them. By bringing them healing. So I want to share a story with you. A couple of stories actually. About how we need to get our hopes up. And this is going to be. I like to give you some sort of application. Here's your application. So sorry. You just went through 35-40 minutes. Off for me to just get to this point, And you're like alright good. I can leave. When I was out at Karis Bible College. Um, the first class we had to take. Was a class called Life Foundations. Um, when I went out to Colorado, our life was very different before we went to Colorado. Um, one, my grandmother, who was like my mother, she raised me. She had just passed away two months before we moved. I went out there, my wife will tell you, I went out there in heavy, heavy grief like extreme grief where I would wake up all through the night, like I would wake my wife up just sitting in bed breathing heavily because I would just see stuff in my mind. Grief was heavy. I felt guilt for going out to Colorado so soon after she passed. Grief was heavy. Another way our life was different is you hear me talk about my two boys. We've not always had two boys. At one point, we had, well, we never, we've always only had two boys, but we have a third son. He's in heaven. Um, we had a son, his name was Jordan, and he was born uh, with severe special needs, with a chromosomal deletion, never walked, never talked, never ate by mouth, and, um, and he just had a whole lot of health issues. 
But when we got a hold of the truth of healing, we've seen his life drastically change. He went from basically living in a hospital to, to only having to be put in a hospital one night a year for, for just a, a virus, and they just wanted to keep him there to monitor him. But our life was very different, but with, with Jord, it was very hard for us because Jord was 11 years old, and he was getting big, right? So it was very hard for us to get him in and out of our car, right? We just had, you can see our car out there. That's what we had then. Very hard getting him in and out. I had bigger muscles back then. Big, I, I was a brute, you know. I really wasn't a brute. I've never been a brute. But, but he, was, he was a big boy, okay? And things were hard. And my first class at Karis is a, is a class called Life Foundations. And the teacher taught this principle, the very first thing, the love of God. And she said in class, every day, wake up during this class, and say, God, show me how much you love me today. Show me how much you love me today. So I thought, well, I can do that. So I woke up every morning and I would pray, God, show me how much you love me today. Now, I mentioned the grief that I was experiencing during that time of me praying that, God gave me a supernatural dream like I've never had, and it completely healed me of all that grief. I won't go into the details because it would seriously take about 30 minutes, but God supernaturally healed. I, and I'm not someone who's like, well, God gave me a dream. God gave me a dream. God gave me a dream. That bird was going to poop on me when I was preaching. Like, God gave me a dream. God, I'm not that kind of person. I don't, God doesn't talk to me through dreams. He gave me a dream. And I went to school that morning, and I was just sitting there crying and crying and crying and crying. Not because I was grieving, but because I was so thankful the grief was gone. Why? God showed me how much He loved me that day. But now here's another one. So I was, I was talking about Jord. We had a lady call my wife out of nowhere. And she said, listen... I want to give you a handicapped van. It runs well, goes, it, it's, it, it's fine, but I want to give it to you. Not, I need this much money. Not, I need this in return. I want to give it to you. So just like that, by praying that simple prayer, God show me how much you love me today, I went out grief in, in grief, and I was about to develop a broken back because I was, I was, you know, having to put Jordan in and out of that car so much. But because God wanted to show me how much he loved me, he healed my heart of grief and he gave us a van. God loves me. But I wonder what would happen if I hadn't began praying that prayer. I wonder if that van would have ever came. I wonder if I'd still be sitting here today in grief. But be, see, but when you say, God, show me how much you love me today, you know what that is? That's, that's hope. That's faith. You're giving God permission to love on you. My, my, my oldest, Graham, like I said, he's eight. He's at that age, he does not want me loving on him. Like, he doesn't want me hugging him, kissing him, and it breaks my heart because I'm like a, I'm like a touchy person 
you know, like I'm like, I, look, I, I want to show affection. I'm a very affectionate father. So I'm like, I, you know, I always want to hug him. Like I always, so now, like right now, we're at that place where I'm just like rubbing his head because that's all he'll let me do, you know. So like 10 times a day, I'm just like rubbing his head because that's as close as I can get to a kiss and a hug right now. But, um, but let God love on you by asking him to show you his love. And I have, there, here's another story. Um, I was preaching at a church in Louisville. And it's Louisville, not Louisville. Uh, but I was preaching at a church there, and I preached a message very similar to this one on the unconditional love of God. And when I got finished, I gave some words of knowledge but one was, I said, someone in here has a plugged up right ear. And I said, and you've also got a bum left knee. My wife said she was listening to me, and she's like, when I said the ear thing, she's like, oh, that's good. Somebody, somebody's going to get that. And she said, when I said about the left knee, she said, he, he just blew the whole thing. Because he got so specific, he just blew the whole thing. Ain't, no, ain't nobody in there got a, got a bad right ear and a bad left knee. And uh, so I prayed for some people, and we seen some cool things. And this lady comes running to me as soon as she's seen me clear, and she is just crying her eyes out. And she's jumping up and down. And she says, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. I stop her. I'm like, well, hold on. What is you? Who are you? I don't know you. She, and this is the way she described herself. I'm the one with the plugged up right ear, and I'm the one with the bum left knee. And I never had to pray for that woman, touch that woman. I knew by watching her jump up and down, that knee was fine. But here's what she said. She said that when I said, you've got a plugged up right ear, she said right away, she knew that was her. But she thought, you know, there's plenty of people in here. Someone else probably has a, has a, a plugged up right ear. And she said, God, if that's for me, and you love me, make him get a little bit more specific. And that's when I said, and you've got a bum left knee. And here's what she said to me, and this always stuck with me. She said, I can't believe that God, loved me, that God loves me so much that he did that for me. That he had you say that for me. God loved me so much. So here's what I want to say. Listen, guys. I am all about principles of faith. Like, I'm a big believer in healing. And, and listen, I'm big on teaching people the importance of the words of our mouth. I'm big on teaching people, um, you know, the, the, the principles that we can put in place to be healed. I'm big on teaching people, hey, it's always the will of God to be healed. Hey, you know, God never puts sickness on it. I'm big on those things. But sometimes we just need a little flip of the mind. And we just need to slightly change how we look at it. Because a lot of times, like, for example, with healing, we're looking at it like I'm trying to get healed. So we're doing these things because, well, I need to get healed. So I'm going to do these things so I can be healed. Right? 
But what if you just, and those things are fine, those things are good. Go on YouTube, you'll find me teaching all these things. But sometimes there just needs to be just this, like, just a light switch. Like you just flip it on and you start viewing something totally different. What if rather than saying healing, for example, what if rather than saying, well, God's going to heal me because I'm, I know the power of the tongue and I'm, I'm, I'm making my confessions. God's going to heal me because I'm, I'm confessing, you know, I've confessed all my sins. God's going to heal me because I know how righteous I am. God's going to heal me because of 1 Peter 2.24. God's going to heal me, you know, on and on we can go. What if you looked at it like God's going to heal me because he loves me? Just, just that simple thought. My children, Graham and Finley, have never came to me and said, Dad, I've been, I've been doing real good with my positive confessions. Now, can I have that video game? Right? Like, they've never came to me and said, All right, now I'm going to confess all these sins. I'm going to work all these principles so you can get me that thing I want. No. If it's in my ability, I'm glad to do it because I love them. So what is it you need today? Maybe it's not healing. Maybe it's something else. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to let God love on you. God's going to do it for you today because He loves you. Do you need healing in your body today? God will heal you today because He loves you. Do you need provision? God will provide what it is that you need today because He loves you. Do you need restoration in your family, in your marriage? God will restore it because He loves you. No other reason other than He loves you. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? God loves me. I don't know about you, but I know God loves me. Right? Like that is the attitude. And I'm sitting here and I'm telling you, I know God loves every single individual in here. But the love of God needs to become so real to you that you have this attitude. I don't care what you all say. I don't care what people do. God loves me. And because He loves me, I expect blessing in my future. Surely in blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thee. That's me. Why? God loves me. What'd you do? You're a pastor? I don't care about being a pastor. God loves me. Oh, God's going to bless you because you drove all this way? No, I don't care about that. God loves me. Oh, God will heal me today because the guest speakers are... No, it has nothing to do with that. God loves you. Right? God loves you. What is it that you need this morning? God will supply it because He loves you. And he's a good dad. Today's Mother's Day. Like I said, my, my grandma that raised me, that was my mother. I, all the things she did for me is always because she loved me. She poured love into my heart and it was easy for me to ask her for things. It was easy for me to receive of her. Why? She loved me. When you're convinced that somebody loves you, listen, here's all you got to do. Just ask. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to get the principles straight out. Just, 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 just ask and just take it. That's all you have to do. It's that simple. Can we get the worship team back up this morning? Would that be possible or no?
Okay. Yeah, let's go ahead and get the worship team up. And as they come up, guys, what I want you to be doing this morning is I want you to get your heart on that thing that you've been believing God for. What is it that if you could pick that one thing you want God to do for you, what is it? And develop this attitude this morning, have this mindset, and even declare it to yourself, God, you're going to do this for me today because you love me. Not because I came to church, not because of all that teacher said, but you just love me. And you're a good father. What is it that you need? What is it that you need? Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for your great unconditional love. It knows no boundaries. It knows no beginning. It knows no end. (laughs) You just love us. You just love us. And because you love us so much, you're going to supply for us today. You're going to provide for us today. You're going to heal us today. Um, I see someone with a neck that, like, you can't move it well. You can't turn it well. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if it's something as simple as a like just like a crick in your neck, but I, I just kind of see like a struggle to move that neck. I command that neck to be loosened up and to be healed right now in Jesus' name. And if you'll move your neck, you'll start to notice that it's starting to loosen up, that it's, you're, you're able to move it around easier. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Anybody in here this morning, is there anybody, and I'm not going to call you out, I'm not going to do anything weird to you, but are you believing for God for something in your body? Okay, anybody, like you've got something going on in your life and you would like to be healed. I'm not going to come to you, I'm not going to call you, I'm not going to be weird. Uh, it's not going to work for you if you don't raise your hands though, so I'm going to need some hands raised, right? Alright, don't be ashamed of that. Right, I've got something right now. I've got something right now that I'm believing God for in my body. There's no shame in that. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to pray that whatever it is you're believing for, God's about to do it. God's about to take care of it because He loves you. All right? Father, I thank You that You love these people so much that You want them well. And right now, I just release the healing power of God into their bodies. I command it to right every wrong. I command it to heal that which is ill. I command it to to go and to, to dissolve whatever it is that needs to be dissolved. To make straight whatever needs to be made straight. Just I release that healing power of God that's in their spirit. I release it right now throughout their body. Taking care of every 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 part of their body right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name.
He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Is there anyone in here? Again, I'm putting my hand up. Do you have a financial need? You're believing God for something to do. You need Him to provide something. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's just, but you need something. Anyone in here? Anyone in here? Thank you, Jesus. All right. Father, I thank you for these hands that need financial provision or just need you to supply something, Father. They don't have to beg you for it. All they got to do is just be like an innocent child and just receive that provision. So right now, Lord, I release wisdom. I release opportunity. I release provision. I release prosperity. Right now into their lives, into their heart. I, re- I, I, I speak a vision into your heart right now in Jesus' name of you having that. What it is that you need, that you not only have that, but you have that and more. Not to hoard up, but to bless. Right? Because someone in here, you, you, you feel like you always are needing something from someone else. But God's saying, I'm about to put you in a place where you're the one who's blessing others. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just take a minute. Let God love on you. Let just pour the let the love of God just be poured into your heart. Just say that out loud. Just say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. You don't have to shout it. Say it to yourself. But listen, write that truth on your heart. Jesus loves me. old country song it's called you had me at hello this morning as i was listening to grant preach he had me at persuaded i think about that i thought about that ever since he said it are we fully convinced are we fully persuaded of the love of god i love the picture the love of god flows like water down a mountainside it just flows it's not a difficult thing. And I love that it's not mystical to receive the love of God. It's not magical. It's fun to have music playing and our eyes closed and hearing from the Lord. But it's not because the music's playing that we hear from the Lord. It's not because Grant's here that we can receive the love of God this morning. It's not because you're here that you can receive the love of God this morning. It's not because you've been really good for decades. It's not because you quit being bad yesterday. It's not because, it's just because Jesus loves you. He said, Jesus loves me. We sing the little kid's song with our kids several times a day. Jesus loves me, this I know. The magnitude of that statement, Jesus loves me, this I know. I want to thank Grant and Keisha for coming up here. I just, 
If there's somebody here this morning that's got a question about how much Jesus loves you, or you might think there's a caveat. There's been no caveats discussed this morning, but if there's somebody here today that feels like maybe there's, I can't receive from God because I wandered away from walking with Jesus. If there's any caveat in your mind right now, in your heart, I want to talk to you after church. I know Grant would talk to you. There's elders, other pastors here this morning that would love to share that with you how much Jesus loves you. I'm going to pray for us, pray a blessing over Grant and Keisha as they travel back over us as we eat this morning, over the food. Just clear this up. This is a question. This is the prayer for the food, so feel free to eat as you go through. Maybe you should get your plate finished and then eat, but we'll be eating as soon as we're done. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. We thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you, to sing to you this morning to sing of your great love, your great name, the name of Jesus. We pray a blessing right now over Grant and Keisha, over their vehicle as they travel. We speak a blessing over their marriage, over their ministry. Pray a blessing over each person that's in this room today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for ministering through the words that were spoken and the songs that were sung. Pray a blessing over the food the fellowship to follow today over this body at Revelation Rock. Thank you for each person that's here with us today. Whether they've been here since the very first time this church met or they've never been here before, we pray a blessing over them. We declare the blessing of Abraham over this body. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.